0: Hi everyone, welcome to Cooper & Company Podcast. I'm so excited to have you here today. Thank you for taking some time out of your very busy schedule to listen to the podcast. I want to start out first of all by saying thank you so much to my listeners on Ghana music platform where you stream your music and your podcast. You are my largest audience, my listeners. Thank you so much for taking some time out of your day to listen when I post. I don't post all the time because sometimes I just rather post quality instead of a bunch of stuff that goes up. I think so far, I think the listeners have really enjoyed listening and I appreciate it. So, this month is a API month and it's also Mental Health Awareness Month. Our guest today is Kyla Zhao, who is an author. She just released her debut book, The Fraud Squad. She was born and raised in Singapore. And one of the things why I think it's important to talk about this, and I'll talk about it later with her as well, but the fact that she used the time during the pandemic. The book is just a fun book, great characters, characters of substance. You don't feel like one is a sidekick, even though it's kind of like an ensemble. You never get the feeling like one is a sidekick. Everyone has a different storyline. Everyone has some substance and a backstory to their character, which I love. At the end of the book, you guys, there is a reader's discussion which is very helpful and fun if you run a uh, book club. Even if you're just, you know, independent reader like I am, I really like the guided readings in the back of a book. I think authors kind of got away from that But I really like having the guided reading in the book because it gives me a different perspective. I want to give a big shout out also to my associate producer, Cindy Lynn. I know she's listening. She has wrapped up finals for the year. She's in her sophomore year. She is doing amazing. So we have decided that, you know, when we upload, it's going to be something that we really think people want to listen to and hear and reflect on and enjoy Today's guest, author Kyla Zhao. Born and raised in Singapore, Kyla graduated in 2021 from Stanford University with an M.A. in Communication Media Studies and a B.A. in Psychology. Right now, she works in marketing and tech company in Silicon Valley, California. Kyla has an extensive magazine editorial portfolio. Previously, she was a fashion and lifestyle writer on Vogue Singapore. She has also written for the Singapore editions of Harper's Bazaar and Tatler covered the Asian Television Awards and interviewed personalities such as singer Nathan Syke. Above all else, Kyla hopes to champion Asian representation in her works and write the characters of color that she rarely got to see and read about when she was younger. As we celebrate AAPI Heritage Month, there's no better time to do this than now. I'm excited that we're able to have this conversation today. Let's just jump right on into it. How are you? Thank
1: you so much, Kyla. I was born and raised in Singapore, but I came to California and when I was 18 for college at Stanford University. this whole book actually began in the summer of 2020. So it was the summer after my third year of university and it was also the summer when you know the pandemic was sweeping across the entire world. I really wanted to go back home to be with my family in Singapore. But I was also interning with a tech company at that time. And for various reasons, they couldn't let me work from outside the United States. And so I had to stay put in California. And I was living by myself in a studio apartment for most of the year. And I've always been more of a homebody. So I didn't think it would be too hard. But you know that, yeah, like just living alone, the isolation, not seeing anyone for the longest time, like that really got to me. And as a result, I became quite down and depressed. And as I usually do when I feel troubled, I turn to my books for comfort. Like I'm such a big bookworm. I love reading all kinds of books. So yeah, I was just like reading some of my old favorites. But that summer was also when anti-Asian racism was really ramping up across the entire country. You had politicians in power saying really negative things about the Asian community. And whenever I went on social media or I turned on the news, I would see more stories and reports of Asians being the victims of hate crimes, elderly Asians, some of them living, you know, like in San Francisco, which is so close to where I was living at that time. And it was just this general atmosphere of Asians being portrayed in such a negative light. And I guess that's when I started craving, you know, a story that was, vibrant and joyful, and where Asians got to be the star of the show and not just a sidekick. And because I couldn't find enough books like that, I decided to try writing my own story to write the kind of story that I wanted to read. And that was how The Fraud Squad
0: came to be. The characters that have been introduced already in your book, what strikes me are the characters and how each one has substance. It's like an ensemble, but each story is very important to how the, the plot is lined up.
1: Yeah, for sure. Thank you for bringing that up. I mean, like you said, none of the characters are really like a side character. They all have their own backstory. They all have their own goals and desires. And sometimes those goals and desires are in conflict. And that's where all the interesting things in the book happens. All the characters in my book are Asian my book is set in my hometown of Singapore no matter what story you want to focus on in the book or which character you are really rooting for ultimately you're getting a lot of different representations of the Asian community so I think like that's what I hope to present
0: and Samantha's relationship with her mother was so it's just so sweet Oh yeah, that was the hardest thing to write. What inspired you to write your story and how did you develop some of the characters? Are they loosely based on people that you know, maybe a little bit of you, maybe it's a combination of people that you know?
1: It was inspired by some of my favorite books Mm -hmm. like The Devil Wears Prada, Gossip Mm -hmm. Girl. But you know that summer as I was reading all those books. That was when it struck me that they didn't really feature people of colour. Like, all the main characters were white. Mm -hmm. And I remember I was re-watching Gossip Girl, the TV show. And at least in the first season, the only Asian character I could really remember was, like, this nerdy sidekick. Mm -hmm. And she was always portrayed as the butt of the joke and never in on the joke and it just made me so uncomfortable watching that and that never struck me until that summer of 2020. I just wanted to take my favorite entertainment, my favorite shows and bots, but to put my own spin on it and the book was also inspired by my personal experience working at those high society, high fashion magazines like Tetler, Vogue. I got the opportunity to observe socialites up close. I got to interact with them and I got to see behind the scenes into what they are like behind their glossy magazine photos. It was very interesting. Some of my characters
0: are loosely based on socialites I've encountered in real life. What was the point when you wanted to say, you know what, I want to make sure that Samantha has this type of background and Timothy has this type of background.
1: Even though the main character, Samantha, the working class woman who pretends to be a socialite, she's the most obvious example of a fraud. But I would say that all three members of the fraud squad, Samantha, Timothy, and also their other friend, Anya, They're all frauds in their own way, as you would realize, you know, as you get through to the rest of the story. And they all come from such different backgrounds. Like Samantha comes from a working class background. She was raised by a single mother. She's still trying to pay off her father's debt that he left to Samantha, and her mother, after he passed away. But then on the other hand, you have Timothy, who comes from one of the most elite families in the country. He was raised in this environment of incredible privilege. He has never gone through what Samantha has. And then their third friend, Anya, you know, she's kind of somewhere in between. She came from this very wealthy background. She has the money, but she doesn't have the class because her family has a bad reputation Mm -hmm. in high society. So she has one foot in the door, but not quite. Among the three of them, they cover three different points in the socioeconomic spectrum. But at the same time, they are all frauds and imposters in their own way. They are all not fully satisfied with where they are in life. And they are all yearning for something else and that's why they decide to get together and work together and you know I do think that Samantha's journey was kind of inspired by my own sense of imposter syndrome so I come from Singapore which is a predominantly Chinese country and I came to California to study at Stanford University which is an elite predominantly white institution and you know my classmates the people that I was living with um, they're from some of the wealthiest families in the world. your family names are on the sides of buildings, on campuses, and it just seems so much more sophisticated. And there were definitely times when I questioned whether I deserved to be there, whether I belonged. And I guess that's what Samantha felt as she was trying to infiltrate high society. You know, even though she's wearing the right clothes, she knows how to speak about the right topics. But fundamentally she knows that this is not a world that she grew up in she's always questioning whether she belongs and she's always terrified of getting exposed as someone who doesn't belong and like you said I think we've all felt that at some point in our life and so it's a very
0: universal sentiment how did you approach writing fiction compared to nonfiction?
1: yeah oh that's a great question um, so I guess a caveat would be that the nonfiction I've written in the past were all magazine articles. Mm-hmm. They were, you know, maybe at most like 2,000 words. It's really like, um, in terms of word count, it's really nothing compared to a novel, which could easily be like 100,000 words. So writing nonfiction magazine articles felt more like a sprint, and writing a novel felt more like a marathon. And you really needed a lot of mental and emotional stamina to just see it through. Like I started working on the Fraud Squad in 2020. By the time it came out in 2023, I have been working on it for two and a half years. And that's why whenever authors ask me for advice, I always tell them to write about what you love and not to write what you think other people would love. Because two and a half years is a really long time to be working on something that you're not passionate about. Whereas writing a magazine article, you know, even if you don't feel passionate about a topic like you could squeeze out two thousand words mm-hmm. in like a week or so so yeah and you think like pop novel-
0: culture too right
1: yeah i, I do yeah. Love pop culture. yes but yeah i think writing a novel is scary and you know when i was writing for magazines no one was really reading my articles because of me, like they were reading it because my articles were in magazines like Vogue or Harper's Bazaar. And so in a way, I was protected by the reputation mm-hmm. of those magazines. You
0: have a book coming out in 2024. You have one or two. Have you have two, two books, books coming out. Two, two books. books coming out. Now, are they all going to be based on, you know, making sure it's Asian representation? Yeah. How are you going to incorporate your cultural heritage into all of your works so that each story is different?
1: Yeah, this is something that matters a lot to me. Growing up, I was always exposed to books, where the main characters were white. And so I kind of internalized from a very young age that what's considered beautiful would be having blonde hair, blue eyes. And even though The Fraud Squad is the first book I ever wrote, but when I was younger, I wrote short stories like I think a lot of us have. And in the short stories my main characters were always white and they always had blonde hair and oh my gosh I remember that I would give them like different color eyes like they would have one green eye and one blue eye because that was considered so cool and yeah I think it took me a long time to unpack this um you know this very eurocentric ideal of beauty and to learn to appreciate my own culture my own heritage a lot more and I do appreciate it so much more now but I mean, it took years for me to get through this stage. And I just think that, you know, if growing up, I was exposed to more media where the stars could be Asians and not white, like that would have made such a big impact on me. And that's why I hope to be able to contribute in some small way to just increasing the amount and the variety of Asian representation in the media. Because like when I was younger, really the only Asian American books that I knew about were The Joy Luck Club by Amy Tan mm-hmm. or books by Maxine Hong Kingston and they are amazing books they were very formative to my understanding of my Asian heritage but I would also say that they are not the happiest of books yeah and there are just times that I'm craving like a happy story
0: but like something like yeah The Fraud that. Squad yeah I've told yeah and that.
1: that's why <laughs> I, I wanted to write a story like that and even though it's different from The Joy Luck Club it's different from books that I read when I was younger like this just represents a different facet of the Asian community, of the Asian experience, and I'm by no means big for the entire community. Like there are other authors out there, there are other people from the Asian diaspora who have their own experiences to share about. And if anyone is more, is if, if anyone is interested in understanding more about this culture, like I just encourage you to read as many books as possible from as many authors, because then you'll be exposed to more variety.
0: What advice would you give to aspiring writers, particularly those who want to write about underrepresented communities? Always write a
1: story that you want to read, a story that you want to tell. I think it is very tempting to fall into the trap of writing what is the most popular topic at this time. Like for instance, a few years back, vampires were like the most popular topic. So everyone was writing about vampires and you know it's easy to oh. get swept up in a trance. But you have your own unique story and your own unique perspective that only you can tell. So write that story instead of chasing after a trend. Mm-hmm. And also, if you're uh, an author of color, if you're writing about an underrepresented community, that I mean, the hard truth is that there will be people who don't see the value in that, who don't appreciate it. They will try to make you change certain parts of your story to make it more appealing to the general public or whatever, like that has happened to me, when some people wanted me to change like the ethnicity of my characters and to not set it in Singapore, but to set it in the United States. And, you know, I think at some point you just have to remember why you're writing a story in the first place and that you want to preserve the heart of your story.
0: How did you find the courage to basically say, no, you know, I'll take this part of what you're saying, but this is the core of the story I want to tell. How did did you find the courage to, I'm sure people struggle with that all the time.
1: That's a really good question. And I think, like you said, you know, it's really seeing what matters the most to you. Like I, as a literary agent, I work with publishers. I'm always, I'm constantly getting feedback. And it's really just about extracting what means like what speaks to you from the feedback and knowing what to take and what to kind of just set aside. And I mean, I've made tons of changes to my stories. I've rewritten like some of my books completely. And a lot of times I find that my publisher and my agent give great feedback. And to be honest, yeah, I think I've agreed with almost all all of their feedback. But I remember when I was looking for a literary agent, there were some agents who asked me if I would consider, you know, just like making some of my characters white setting my book in New York High Society instead of in Singapore High Society because people don't really know anything about Singapore High Society. I wanted to write a book that was set in my home country. I wanted to write a book where characters would look like me, where I could relate to them, where they are not just another blonde-haired, blue-eyed person because there are really so many stories like that out there. And you know, if a publisher doesn't see the story the way I do, it means that they're not the right partner. Mm
0: -hmm. And if you're not careful, if you don't really have that solid line in your head, it almost ends up not being the story you wanted to set out and tell. So I think that's really important that people learn how to find the courage to say, you know what, I love that, but I'm going to stick with this story right here. Um, You recently graduated with a master's degree in communications from Stanford. How has your academic background influenced your writing, if at all?
1: I guess honestly not that much, but when I was starting to write The Fraud Squad that Summer, the term before that I was taking two different classes, one in psychology and one in communications, but they both dealt with the concept of deception, like what is the psychology of a liar, why do some people tell lies, how do people use media and social media to construct a different perspective of themselves. And so that summer, I just had a lot about frauds running through my mind. I was reading a lot about frauds and deception for class. So maybe that did influence my book in some way. And I think, you know, psychology is always just fun to think about. Like, people are motivated to do different things for different reasons. And I think having that base understanding of human psychology allows me to see the world through the eyes of my characters, even when some of my characters are so different from me.
0: What books are you currently working on? I know you shared that you're working on two books. And can you give us hints about what the readers can expect from your upcoming project?
1: Yes. So my next adult novel is coming out next January. But you can actually pre-order it now. This is a book that I am so passionate about. I mean, I like The Fraud Squad, it's always going to be my first book. It will always be my baby. But I was like 20 when I wrote that. And that feels like a lifetime ago. But this book, I just wrote it. It's set in Silicon Valley. It's legally blonde meets the tech industry. So a fashion writer living in New York City has to change her job. And so she starts working at a tech startup in Silicon Valley, she has to move from the East Coast to the West Coast, she has to change her jobs, change her industry, leave all her old friends and her old life behind. And then she gets swept up in just like the, the eccentric billion dollar tech industry where she meets all sorts of colorful characters and she's struggling with imposter syndrome and she has to find a way to prove herself and to prove that she does deserve to be there, that she belongs and that she's not an imposter. As you can tell, I have a thing for exploring the idea of imposter syndrome. But yeah, it's called Valley Verified, and I am very excited about it. And then I have a children's novel coming out next summer, I believe. Nice. And it's about, it's set in middle school. It's about a young girl who plays chess, and she makes a bet with a sexist teammate that girls can be as good as boys when it comes to chess. Oh, that's awesome. Books
0: meant so much to me growing up. Who are some of the authors or books that have inspired you in your writing journey? I know you mentioned Amy Tan. Sometimes you just
1: want to look at it from a different angle. You just want something fun and vibrant instead of, you know, being taught a lesson. Yeah. And I think that's an amazing thing, right? That There are different books out there for like different readers when you're craving things And it's just important that there are more books out there so that this becomes more normalized and that, you know, it's not considered a big deal if we have a book by an Asian author, because hopefully one day that just becomes
0: normal where can our listeners find you on social media or where can they get in touch with you? I know, but I'll let you share. (laughs) Okay. I
1: honestly, I think I'm on like every social media platform out there. You can find me on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok. I also have a website and a newsletter.
0: I'm going to have all the links, all of Kyla's information there. So thank you so much Kyla for for joining me today. And I really appreciate the time you took to just respond to my my uh, email, and you guys, you have to go to tell them about your website. Since oh working. yes,
1: it's kylazhao. dot com, dot com, and you can find like everything about me on there,
0: basically. Yeah, it's a it's a really great website, and tell your friend she did an amazing job. She, you're I, here. I
1: definitely will. I'll send See? this podcast to her when it comes out. Oh,
0: okay, yes, yeah, great. Okay, thank you again. Thank you All so right. much for having me. You too. All right, bye-bye. bye
1: bye. Bye.